Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Jackalope Podcast. This season, we are exploring the female go-getters of Chattanooga. We are going to be talking with female business owners, artists, and visionaries who are truly making this community a better place. This episode is about Clever Girl Digital. I had an amazing talk back in September with Natalie Green. Now, be advised, we kind of go off the rails a little bit because I had recorded our first meeting and we talked comic books, movies. We also talk about starting up her business and it was just a fantastic conversation. But before I switch that over, I, I got to tell you about this. It's the most amazing news that I picked up today. Infinity Flux. Now, you may be familiar with Infinity Flux being great fl- friends of the Jackalope podcast. So I'm announcing that Infinity Flux has started a Kickstarter. Now, this Kickstarter is for one of the most amazing things that could ever possibly happen to Chattanooga, to this city. It is a gaming and comic book themed pub at their storefront on Hicks and Pike. They have expanded. They have blown my mind. This Kickstarter is called Hall of Heroes, a pub at Infinity Flux. Get on Kickstarter. Get on their Facebook page. You need to support this if you like pubs if you like games if you like comic books they're jamming it all into one space it is a beautiful monumental thing that needs to happen it should happen right now they have raised twenty six hundred dollars of their nine thousand dollar goal they have 29 days to go they they're gonna get there and i'm telling you i'm encouraging you i'm imploring you i'm begging you here get on that kickstarter help them get this thing going because it's amazing a comic book gaming themed pub right there off Hicks and Pike. It just needs to happen. So all excitement out of the way. This is Clever Gold Digital and our recording back in September at the meeting place in Red Bank. Hope you enjoy. Miss Green. Yes. How are you today? I am fantastic. How are you? Thank you for joining me at the meeting house in Red Bank. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. This is my first time. So for listeners out there, if the audio isn't up to snuff, there's a lot going on, but we're going to make this work anyway. That's right. So tell me a bit about yourself, Natalie. How did you get out here to the scenic city? To the scenic city, uh, yeah, so I'm actually a Chicago native. Um, I was born and raised in a suburb of Chicago, about 20 miles south of the city, and I lived there till I was 17. Um, and then I found myself in Chattanooga uh, with a boyfriend. I moved here for a dude, and um, that didn't work out, but it's all good because I met my husband, um, and we've been married for 13 years this September the 25th. Wow. Yeah. I was married very young. Uh, and uh, we've got two kids, um, an eight-year-old and a little boy that turns two tomorrow, actually. Wow. Yeah. Well, I keep getting these podcasts like right on people's anniversaries or <laughs> birthdays. Yeah. It never fails. I, I don't know. Just wait. Stars align. Yeah. So, I'm read your shirt. <laughs> Clever Girl Digital. Yes. Tell me about this. Now, I found it at the Edney Innovation Center, your card, and right. I was... I was grabbed by the logo, but first tell me, what are you doing with Clever Girl? Sure. So um, Clever Girl Digital is content-focused marketing, Um, digital marketing primarily, but I'm, you know, certainly up to writing articles and any kind of print copy, things like that. Um, I've been a writer as long as I can remember. I used to have regular columns on Nougat.com. 
um, parenting columns, and I've been blogging for years and years. But uh, Clever Girl Digital is basically uh, blogs, social media posts, content strategy, um, things of that nature. I've found myself falling into really technical projects, like I'm writing a series of video scripts for um, for life insurance like salespeople and then uh i'm writing posts about jewelry insurance and a lot of insurance things which is weird because my style is very you know kind of irreverent and sarcastic and and offbeat is it did the these insurance companies seek you out for your writing style or um typically what has happened is with one of the projects i applied i honestly i applied for so many different things that i don't even remember where i found the the life insurance project but after i interviewed with them they really liked the way that i wrote um and they liked the irreverence but you know it's it's kind of like a balance between being serious and not being serious um but for the most part Everybody that I have talked to who has ended up coming on board with me um, likes my tone of voice and they like the way that I write and they, they kind of want to ad- adopt it for their, their brand and their message. Um, I haven't found a company yet that like is full-fledged my style, but hopefully that'll, that'll come soon. So sort of like an offbeat insurance company? Yeah, like Geico. I love Geico's commercials. I have always thought they were very funny. I like companies that aren't afraid to get weird get weird yeah or at least just have that sense of brevity yeah with with their advertising which i think there's a lot more there's more appreciation for that i think yeah absolutely than the the clinical style of writing yeah because that kind of stuff's not interesting you know it's if you if you can make life insurance at least interesting to read it doesn't have to be funny but if you can make it you know make you not want to fall asleep i think that's that's something well insurance is one of those things that you don't ever really think about, Mm-mm. at least when you're young. I guess the demographics from, you know, 20 till, you know, yeah. almost 40 something. I don't know, but I don't ever think about it Mm-mm. Like, ever. Mm-mm. So I see a challenge in trying to market that writing wise. Like, and I write as well. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know how to sell you insurance. <laughs> Why should you get it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so you were working with a, with a company. Um, and then you decided to just strike it out on your own. Yes, I did. So leading up to that, like what was, what was guiding your mentality to get to that point? Um, so the main thing was it, you know, the company I worked for was fantastic. They were stable, um, been in business for a long time and it was, it was fine, but I was running into an issue where, you know, I've got two kids Mm -hmm. and limited amount of PTO and every single last bit of it was being eaten up by Hamilton County schools closing because, you know, snow or lack of snow um, or my kids getting sick. You know, they one gets sick, the other one gets it back and forth. I was out of PTO by, you know, six months into my year and um, it was just stressing me out. We my husband and I, we couldn't take a vacation. You know, my kids have never been on vacation to this day because our, our PTOs just never synced up. Um, and. You know, when, when my kids would get sick, I could I could take off, but I didn't get paid for it. And I couldn't work from home. Um, the policies of the company wouldn't allow it. So that was the main driving force was, was my kids. I wanted more time with my kids. And I wanted the flexibility to be able to say, okay, hey, I'm going to keep the baby home with me because he's got a fever. Or, you know, I'm going to go have lunch with my kid today at school. Um, and it was also the fact that I had been there for almost five years and I felt like I had peaked. I'd, there was nowhere else for me to go. 
And I knew that if I struck out on my own, I could I could take projects I wanted and turn down ones that weren't really appealing to me. And if my kid was sick, I could keep them home and I could still work and make money for my family. So, yeah. So a family necessity, but you already had skills in writing, so you figured you could market that. Writing for the social media or the digital content, Mm -hmm. was that something you already had an affinity towards the sort of like what started it? Because I kind of read your bio a little bit. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, So I had at, at at my previous job, I was the advertising coordinator. So I worked primarily with our email marketing program. Um, I wrote the copy. I came up with the campaigns. I deployed the emails, uh, developed our workflows and things like that. And I really liked it. Um, I still really like writing email copy. It's it's a chance to be fun in a very short, consumable way. Um, and you can get really creative with your emails. But um, yeah, you know, I knew just being a writer and getting gigs solely writing is not easy. It's, it's, you know, challenging. Um, so I kind of threw in the social media aspect of that too. And it turns out that there are a lot of people that just don't have the time or the desire to manage their own social media accounts and they're willing to, to outsource it and pay people to do it. So that's kind of, that's kind of why I created the, the clever girl digital and not just clever girl copy or content or something like that. Um, to kind of, to, to, to widen my skill set a little bit. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've grown up with a computer in my house since I was nine and I love the internet. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know any other way to say it, but you know, I think it's, I like the innovation of it. I like, I like social media. I like all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm glad you do. <laughs> I, 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 for one, am not, I'm not, I'm not all with it. So I'd be one if I had the, the income for it. I would definitely be outsourcing my social media. I think a lot of people feel, I mean, I know a lot of people feel that way. It's just because it is time consuming to, you know, curate content and write it and schedule it and stay on top of it. And if you've got, you know, a big following to respond to people's feedback and answer questions and, you know, it, it, it is very time consuming. It is. And yeah. when, when you're creating, so I've earned the, to the problem of several different projects. So I'm either writing the next show coming up or I'm working on a novel, or I'm working on this, and I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. Social media is like pulling teeth. It's like, you know, I can sit down and write, and when I'm writing digital copy, I can bang out something quick mm-hmm. and catchy and poppy, but it's painful. Yeah. It's like, I just, <laughs> yeah. no, I don't want to look at Twitter. No, I don't want to look at Instagram. <laughs> for For other folks out there that feel like I do, how can they, like, really call on you to get, get that... Well, I mean, what can you provide to just alleviate that kind of stress from the business? Yeah. Um, so basically what I do for the clients that I do social media for um, is, you know, I give them in my contract, I say, OK, X amount of dollars is going to get you X amount of posts per week mm-hmm. um, and, you know, follower engagement and respond to questions and create graphics for you. Um, but really, so the thing about social media is you can't just write like your shouting into the void because social media is about engagement mm-hmm. and it's about people liking you basically i mean facebook is kind of like a popularity contest if if you want to look at it that way um that's the way i see it anyway and if you just if you don't have the knack for writing relatable posts 
then you, you know your your social media efforts aren't really going to be successful. But that's just that is my personal opinion. I know other digital marketers, you know, might have uh, a, a different viewpoint. But so you know, for clients who who want help with social media, that's that's the creative side of it. That's the you know, I'm going to write stuff for you that people want to read and want to interact with, um, and that in turn is you know going to kind of build your reputation build your followers and make people want to buy your product or follow your blog or what have you, whatever your goal happens to be. Um, and on the, the, the planning side of it, you know, when you hire a social media manager, that person is sitting there planning your calendar, getting everything out so you don't have to touch it. You don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest benefit for people is because it, it does take a lot of work, you know you sometimes fall down the rabbit hole of just sitting there and responding and liking and talking to people. And if you have a business to run, you can't really do that for yourself. It's very true. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I see one of my clients, um, has, I mean, 5,000 people who follow it and every post that I post for them, I, I get at least 25 comments and I'd respond to every single one of those. If I was that business owner, I wouldn't ever get anything done. No, you know, you with my business. When I was doing leather craft, people were encouraging me to do the Etsy type thing. Yeah. And I, when I was trying to dip my toe into it, I found that the Internet of Things was sucking all my time. Yep. And my creative energy to actually do anything. Sure. So I, I completely forked that. You know, and the deal is, is it's not terrestrial based anymore. I couldn't just go market my wares down the street without a bunch of other things in the process. So Right. I just kind of let it slip. I was like, I could build and I'll do custom-made things, but I'm not messing with the internet. And I'm still in that same, even with this podcast, it's yeah. just so much. It is. <laughs> there's so many, there's like I, social media and it's pretty much all ingrained into social media because that's yeah. the platform. Right. It It's the lifeblood of just a digital radio show. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'll have a day. I'm just like, no, this, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Uh, and then I get yelled at, and then I, I make it happen. But something like that would be beneficial because I found, and I'm a media student. I went to Chat State for media. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that they don't value the tool for what social media or digital media content provides. Right. But it's almost day and night when it works. Yeah. When it works well, and they're alleviated from that, that yeah. stress of it. But it's not just putting kitties on... I mean, it helps. Yeah. The internet's all about the kitties, but right. it helps to be creatively, to write creatively and to manage, got to manage it. That's the hard part. Yeah. Um, it is the hard part. And, you know, there is a lot of, a lot of analytical side of things that comes with it. You know, you, you look at your post analytics and you try and make a pattern and see, okay, this, this got a lot of likes. Why? Um, so I'm going to do another post that's going to be similar but not identical. And maybe that one gets the same amount of likes or more, and maybe it doesn't. The Internet is super, super fickle. Like, it's very difficult sometimes to predict what's going to land with people and what's not. Um, one I wrote for Nuga, I wrote uh, a biweekly column, and it was mostly a humorous column. You know, I kind of took the, the approach of parenting sucks real bad sometimes because, you know, a lot of people don't acknowledge that. It's always look at this thing that I pinned and look at these cupcakes that I made from scratch. And I was posting, I, I don't like to play Barbies and I don't like to do that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I would post something and it would get a ton of traffic. And then I would post something similar two weeks later and nothing. Like, just not as much interest. So, 
It's 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 not easy, so you definitely have to get into the analytical part of it too. Well, the internet is fickle and and temperamental at this. Yeah, time. <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent. Easy, you see stock falling on just a, a ten ten word post. Yep, taken out of context or. The context is right. It just should have never been posted in the, in the first place. Yeah, and the problem is, is that that's that's there forever. Even if you delete it, you yeah. know, if it's if it's uh, controversial enough, someone's going to screen cap that. And and it, it's, it's it's it works both ways too. It's sort of like, well, now you get publicity, but what kind of publicity do you want? Right. You know, and I know some. There's some like you know bloggers, and there's some personalities that actually want the negative attention because it's attention regardless. Right. You know, it's not always a good thing. No, definitely not and you're trying to sell something, you don't want people to hate you from, you know, a bad, Mm-mm. bad, ill-conceived... Well, I mean, you see it. It almost makes news now. What's going on on the Twitterverse? Oh, God. Yeah. What's I'd, happening? I don't, I don't get on Twitter so much. I feel like Twitter is, is a little bit of a dying platform. Um, the kids these days, I think geared like they're more geared toward Instagram and Snapchat I tried Snapchat um and I was this that was the point where I was officially like oh I'm getting old because I don't understand this at all I tried it for like three months and I said I'm not into this not for myself you know if I was doing it for somebody else I think it'd be different but for me I was like I don't I don't know why I have to look like a rabbit though like it doesn't make any sense I don't I don't get I never mess with Snapchat Instagram I, I, I had an Instagram account for like three or four years and I just started using it three or four months ago oh yeah yeah I'm like oh, okay I got it and then but what got me was there's an intrusive I don't know if it they changed the dynamic for marketing but they started sending personalized messages straight to your Instagram account mm-hmm. buy this and I actually sent a pretty bad reply back i'm like look you might be an amateur at this yeah but don't message me with links to selling your your product because no. that's not how this is gonna work you no. can put it on my public feed all day i don't care but if you're gonna follow me and then you're gonna send me personalized like hey check this out click on this link well then now you're getting into a space i don't want you i don't want you to spam me this stuff directly yep. into my inbox or yep. whatever so i unfollowed them and then i blocked them but I just get, I had to give him, I had to give him a pointer. I was like, "You might be a new intern at this, but let me tell you something. Do yep. not instant message me with your product. No, just don't do it. No, I get that a lot. I'll follow somebody and and I'll get some generic. Hey, thanks for the thanks for the follow. Be sure to check out our website. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, that's creepy. Don't. I yeah. don't. I don't want to. I will. I'll unfollow yeah. with, with with you know. And usually those are like auto replies, like bots. Like Facebook Messenger, you know, right. bots that they have now, um, which actually are pretty helpful if you don't have the time. You can, you know, get the FAQs that people just tend to spam you over and over with questions and give them kind of a generic reply. But that's yeah. fine on the public wall or whatever, but yeah. not an instant message. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, this is bad. <laughs> because I look at it like, I'm not going to be kicking in your door right. or just spamming your messages right. when you're waiting for something. Yeah. It just, I just yeah. uh, you come through the wall like Kool Aid Man. Yeah, I'm like what's so I up? A, I left them a helpful t- hit. I left them a tip. <laughs> I was like, hey, look, I know you might be new at this. You might be generating these bots. Yeah, and then I unfollowed them. Oh, womp womp. Yeah, and their product sucked anyway. Bunch <laughs> of cheesy T-shirts. So, I guess it's YouTube, but you get these personalities. I have no idea because I like to skip the commercials anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm very ads don't entertain me. Yeah, and I'll even skip by billboards like. Unless it's the United States Marine billboards, I don't see them. Yeah. I, and, like, they could be a 100-foot wide thing. Yeah. And I'll drive by it 
and I don't even register that it was ever a thing and do yeah. the same thing with commercials, all that stuff. I'm completely like laser focused. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Considering what I'm doing. But, you know, <laughs> like, hey, did you see that commercial? Like, no, I probably nope. didn't. I didn't even see the billboard. I didn't see the ad. There was a grocery store there. It just <laughs> happened. Um, but uh, these guys that get on YouTube were like, hey, look, I just see my Maserati or see all these cars I got. Yeah. I got them by reading books. Oh, my or gosh. These guys that they put all the little info trash on their video and are like, you sell spatulas or put goofy stuff on T-shirts. And then you get an outcropping of these things on social media. Like, yeah. Buy these T-shirts. I'm like, I'm not going to buy this T-shirt for $25. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of my friends posted something on Facebook about wh- who are these people that have no experience want to consult business and they have no business experience whatsoever. Right. It's like, well, it's called getting money for doing nothing or not having the substance or the experience. Yeah. To tell other people how to do it. Right. So, and I really do believe that di- the digital age is chock full of it now. Oh, yeah. And cultivates it. Yeah. And they want it. Like, yeah. Yeah, just go out there and sell a bunch of spatulas on Etsy or whatever. And, yep. Yeah. And then they're here today. And it's almost like that. It's there. It's gone. Yeah. But how are you going to make a million doing that when there's no, there's no substance? There's no real good product. You're just yeah. door-to-door salesman now. But the door is... Your YouTube channel or whatever. Or your blog. That's one of the reasons. So I started I started my blog probably about 10 years ago. And I, I don't write it anymore. I'm too busy with everything else. Right. Um, but, you know, it was a quote unquote mom blog. I was very, you know, very honest, very realistic, you know, very real with that blog. And I, I wasn't really getting anywhere. And all the women around me who had these similar blogs, you know, they were doing these sponsored posts. And, oh, you know, check out Ziploc for this my family loves it my kids love this my kids love this with pictures of their kids using these products and it's just like you're you're selling you're selling your children basically on (laughs) on on the blog and of course they have this little disclaimer at the end that said you know yes this is sponsored but I really truly like it and really truly believe in it you know so I I started doing that I was like oh okay I'm gonna do this and like I got a car seat out of it which was awesome I didn't have to pay for it I just had to review it on my blog but after a while I was like okay this is this is making like I don't want to do this this is not how I want to be viewed as a writer because that's that's what I consider myself I'm a writer um and uh, the mom blog world people were so condescending toward these women with blogs um because they were shilling you know their families and their lives for these sponsorships and for this money and and for this free stuff and um I just I, I it didn't feel real to me anymore and that's that's always been my when I write personally um I, I like to be very authentic. I don't like to portray the perfect life because I don't have a perfect life. You know, mm-hmm. my kid is feral sometimes. And I feel like other moms appreciate when you're like, Hey, you know what? My kid's an asshole yeah. <laughs> you know, from kids time to time. <laughs> uh, I think transparency and, and honesty for me, it sells me Yeah, like, so much more of that interlaced with the writing it's almost like looking at an animatronic human being the uncanny valley it's the same way with the spoken word or the written word yeah at the same time and i have a respect for it too i mean there's you know with podcasters too they're like i won't review this unless i completely you know it's the same gimmick right Right. um i try not to fall into a gimmick and also even being a journalist too it's sort of like i want to tell you this is great i think it's great on my podcast i make it i could do it but Mm -hmm. when i write write journalism stuff and I do so for the pulse. Yeah. I kind of leave a lot of 
this may this may be a whole different experience for you, but this was mine, and I'm allowed to do that on the column. Yeah. But if it was just, I'm just going to tell you about it. Here, here are the facts. Yeah. That I, as I know them, and that that's always, I enjoy that a lot. Like, yeah. Hey, I'm just going to tell you about this. Go figure it out. But you know, and there you go. So there's just different aspects and levels to what you're doing. Yeah. Based on your freedom, like if on my blog. It's all personal stuff. It's mm-hmm. all my voice. It's all 100%. This is what happened. And a lot of times it's road stories. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not going to tell you what cleaning solvent's going to work with whatever. Mm-mm. Go figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's right. a million places for that, you know. Seriously. But I think there's something important about mom blogs. Yeah. I really do. Especially if they're honest. Yeah. Product or no, it's sort of like that neighborhood mom group that kind of went away a little bit because you know you're inside most of the time but it's still yeah. there that yeah. community right mm-hmm. so how to get through it oh what's the baby's doing this what the hell am i doing so I, they're yeah. helpful they are helpful and i i i by no means think that mom blogs are bad um i you know i would always hate when people would say mommy blogger because it was always used in a condescending way right. like because a lot of these women are more than that you know and those are those are the ones the, those are the blogs that don't get successful are where the women have you know talent and they have something to say those are the ones that don't often take off because it's not profitable you know mm-hmm. you can't you can't make a super ton of money off of that like i think there there's this one woman named jenny lawson um and she's known as the blog s and she's a published writer now she has written two books and a coloring book oddly enough like a grown-up coloring book <laughs> um but she has always been very candid about not necessarily motherhood just just her life in general um and it's specifically mental illness because she you know struggles with it and with depression and she has always been incredibly candid and very open about it and she's so funny um she wrote this book called let's pretend it never happened and it is just it is so funny if you have never read it and like memoirs it's very funny but yeah so she's gotten successful and has you know actually had published books i think that first book became a new york times bestseller for several weeks so when you started your blog was there any intent or intent to use that as the platform to become a successful author or you're just writing to get it out um it was it was really so i started my blog uh after my husband and i had a miscarriage um back in 2007 so that's really what prompted me to to start writing about it because that's always kind of been my outlet like something bad happens or something i'm struggling with i write about it Mm. um and so i started it there and then that turned into us you know we were trying to get pregnant again and it took us a while and then it became a pregnancy blog and then it you know my daughter was born and it became oh wow motherhood's really hard hard um and it's kind of evolved through that and that blog did help me get the column on nuga because i had writing samples that i could submit to them and say hey this is my voice um what do you guys think and you know that eventually turned into i had a freelance writing gig for a local magazine for a little bit of time got too busy um so yeah you know it kind of that blog has kind of served me as a digital portfolio Mm. um so to speak with with writing samples so i can say this is this is typically how i write i can adapt my tone to whatever you want but if you like it you know this is this is my style this is this is what i do um and you know i have been wanting to write a book for a while um one of the things I blogged about, because I had nowhere else to write about it, um, but my personal blog was in 2011, my mother got sick just abruptly out of nowhere. Um, we had to put her in hospice care and she died within a week. Mm. And she and I had a very, very bad relationship. She, It was just 
kind of ugly. Um, so I wrote about the the hospice experience on my blog, and that kind of sparked like I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna like turn the I'm gonna write about this one day, um, you know, memoir memoir style about my experience with growing up with a mentally ill mom, um, and my experiences with dealing with her death and stuff like that. So yeah, my, my blog got kind of heavy for a little while. <laughs> we're going into some deep waters. Yeah. Folks. For, for about a, for about a year. Get, get the water wings. <laughs> we're going in deep. Yeah. I'm going to dig a lot more on, on your, uh, your website. I'm sure. going to provide it on, on the, the link for the page. Cool. Um, there's just, there's a lot to unpack. You know, I, was, <laughs> I, I read a couple of things. I'm like, man, like I, I you know, I don't know how I missed this blog. Of course, I have my periods of complete media blackout. Yeah. I will shut everything off. Right. There'll be no internet. There'll be, and then rudimentary cell phone. Mm-hmm. And then all the apps get deleted. I got to, I got to purge. Yeah. Everything because I got one of those minds that there's so much that gets caught in the net. Sure. When I'm filtering things, I've gotten a lot better about it now, but blurbs and all these things, I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't even know who I am. Yeah let alone how am I going to navigate all this? So yeah. and, and I've talked about this a couple of times is I feel very disenfranchised because I don't, I don't really have a lot of connection with stuff that's out there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for when we were going through this whole digital revolution, yeah, I was out of the country. Okay. I was gone. Yeah. Like, I was doing things and I come back and they had smartphones. Oh, wow. That's weird. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, I'm still all about this flip phone stuff. That's what is intense. happening? Yeah. So, and I'm reminded of a story my grandfather told me when he came back from the Navy and they had, he seen his first color television. Wow. The television been, the color television had been out, but he, he never seen it. He was always on a ship. Huh. Maybe heard rumors of it. Yeah. And then he came back and it's like, TV's color now. What's, what is this? That's, that's, that would be very, very jarring. I think. So I had a flip phone. This this is my very first iPhone. I think it's a five, maybe. Is it really? It's a. It bought off Craigslist. Nice. You know, and before that, I had a flip phone. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I miss my flip phone, and even to this day, <laughs> I miss my flip phone. Oh, that's funny. One of my favorite phones was um, oh, what was it called? I think it was called a Sidekick or something like that. It was uh, you know, it was like a normal looking phone, and then it had a keyboard that that slid up, mm. um, and it, then it had a you know a normal keyboard like a like a QWERTY keyboard or yeah, whatever you call I remember it those. I loved that phone and I love my iPhone because I like technology and I like gadgets mm. um, but that is still to, to date one of my favorite phones that I've ever had and I think I had it from 2007 to 2008 you had a full like keyboard you can feel and stuff yep and you didn't have to do the t9 texting yeah. and and because I've always been very big on texting I hate talking on the phone really I hate talking on the phone I've I've gone away from it in the past like six seven years yeah but I it is an annoyance to just a 30 second phone call vice, you know, a five minute text wait response type of thing. It seemed yeah. very, I don't know. And I started that where it was like 10 cents for a text. Yep. Remember those days? The senior oh, yeah. wireless days. Yep. And I was like, yep. I don't, I don't want to text. No, I, this? no, I'd get my phone bill and I'd be like, Oh God, <laughs> I texted yeah. a lot this month. <laughs> like that was way too much texting. I, I'm, I don't know. Like I've, I can I could use technology. I'm more of a utilitarian with it. So yeah. if I don't have a specific use, it's a paperweight. I gotcha. That phone will be a paperweight until I have a specific use for it. Yeah. Um, I'm a lot better than a little bit now, but yeah. it's still I'm still like I'd rather if I'm going to write, it's just word processor. Sure. 
I got an expensive word processor. Essentially, that's what I yeah. got. It's like, oh, these features and apps. Nah, I start. And I build PCs. <laughs> I, I could build gaming PCs uh-huh. as a hobby. I love all that. That's cool. Then I just, just start deleting stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't need Cortana. I don't need this. I don't need Siri. That phone is completely disabled except it, for three things. It's just bare bones. It's bare bones. Yeah. That's the way I like it. Yeah. I'm comfortable. I don't think I'm going to change. Yeah. Until I'm like, oh, I might need that. Yeah. And then, yeah, this is a cool little doodad. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm 35, trying to dip more into it, which is because, like, when I write technology and gaming, uh-huh. I got that column. Yeah. So that's when I'm, I go into things as a blank canvas. I don't have this love of technology that's there. Yeah. So everything's like fireworks when it goes hmm. off for me. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like this new program or this new, like, game engine, and I'll dig into it because... I don't know. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, this is nuts. It does water particles. <laughs> and it may be technology has been there forever. You yeah. Know what I mean, now I'm hitting it with like this old guy exposure to it. Like, oh, I fixed these water particles on the screen and it's fantastic. Uh huh. And you just throw that little thing in there and I'm just complete like five year old kid, you know, yeah. like, uh, watching Blade Runner for the first time or something <laughs> like that, you know? So I guess it works. This is the way I write it. Yeah. I'm still got the column. So, yeah. It's interesting. It's, so it's interesting. Um, different people's views of technology and their resistance toward it, just in general. Because I'm I'm almost 35. I'll be 35 in January. Um, what day? Ninth. Ninth. Twenty first. Yeah. Nice. My daughter's birthday is the twentieth. Um, <laughs> uh, she's right on the cusp of of Aquarius and Capricorn. Right. But yeah. So um, you know, we're essentially the same age, and it's like I I I love it. But I know a lot of people who are younger than me who are just like, eh, whatever. I don't have a you know they don't have a Facebook page. They don't they don't care about it. So I think it's it's just you know either either you like it or you don't, or you you or you're indifferent you know and just yeah. very utilitarian you know. I'm very, I'm very utilitarian. I do yeah. like Facebook a lot more. I like Twitter too, but yeah. Facebook now is more so much. Like, I've got a hold of you through Facebook. It's true. So the connection aspect of it is something I'm not ever going to let go of. Right. Because I, these are all people, and, you know, they're people that have been on the show, will be on the show. Yeah. And if you're listening, if you're on my <laughs> Facebook friends list, you will. And they <laughs> might even tell you all 300, 500 of I don't even know how many I got. Yeah. Um, that one time or another, I have reached out to them for yeah. something. So yeah. So either I got a story or, or something like that. I don't. I don't like to separate my personal life from even the job that I do or even yeah. freelancing because this is what I do, you yeah. know, and I'm sure it's what you do as well. So yep. you can't really separate the two. No, for sure. Um, I, 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 I'm a hundred percent agree. Like I, I'm not, I don't hide my identity with my brand. You know, I'm very, I'm very open. I'm very transparent. Um, and you know, one interesting thing that kind of came in my, in my head when I first started the business, you know, this is my first business. I've never owned a business before. And I, I have, I do consider it, you know, it's not just a freelance thing. I'd, I'd like to build it mm. up into a business one day. Um, but I, I asked myself, um, what's, you know, what am I going to do if I get a certain kind of client that my personal beliefs do not align with theirs? Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly liberal and I am very much, um, you know, involved in that type of community very liberal um i'm not religious and so i i always ask myself you know what am i what am i going to do if you know a trump supporter comes and wants to hire me to do work for them how am i going to handle that and that hasn't happened um so i'm not you know i i'm i'm 
I don't know. It, it's it's a whole different ballgame whenever it's your livelihood, you know, because, yeah, it's money, but do I really want to do I really want to align my business with something I don't believe now, in? More so than ever, there's a lot more consideration about that. Yeah. If it coming from an old world mentality of, you know, jobs, a job, then you, you separate your job from your personal life. But yeah. When you do things in the digital realm and you have a, your digital persona is closely linked to who you are, especially yeah. with the blogs or a podcast or your website or your writing portfolio. Right. Um, and then you go out to venture because everybody's got a business, you know, and it's no different than the controversy with the cakes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you can reverse that and put it on whatever comedy show you want to. Yeah. I personally feel that you're in the business of making money in a free trade economy. Yeah. In a free trade economy, you have the right to deny service to anybody. Yep. You're still a person. Yeah. You know, and I don't I don't beat any kind of drum about it. It's like, okay, well, this is your business. This is what you do. If you feel like it compromises who you are or how you do things, move on. Yeah. And it's no different than getting sponsors or ad space, right? Yep. So, yeah, sponsors or ad space, I'm not going to get – maybe I get offered a bucket ton of money to put 60-second – ads on but if it compromises my listening my audience the people that i want to well yeah it made me good money but then now i'm compromising myself and my integrity is right you know yeah so i figure if it goes against your beliefs then move on yeah those and and that's that's the conclusion that i've drawn um you know but at first i i I had to ask myself honestly i'm like would are you willing to align yourself with something you don't believe in for money. And then I said, no, I'm not willing to do something like that, you know? But yeah, that's, you know, that I think that just falls into having your personal identity tied closely with your business. Sure. Yeah. And I think a lot more people like our generation and younger are really in tune with that. Yeah. And I think I was reading something about um, the next generation of game developers have this real strong moral and politically driven compass. Yeah. And for better or worse, because it, it generates a lot of, for me, a lot of bad story coverage mm-hmm. because it, it's all, there's more of a personal stake in what's going on. And, yeah. and I've had to drop a lot of people that are they're journalists. I get it. But say they put themselves in the middle of the story. That's gonzo journalism. Yeah. You're a Hunter S. Thompson fan. I know I am. <laughs> there's a place for it. Yeah. There's a time and a place for it. But at certain venues, you just got to get the story out. Sure. And that's what I'm there for. Like, I just want the story. Put, take yourself out of it. We don't need this personal. St- and it, it's pervasive in a lot of things. So yeah. there's also a darker side to that as well. It's yeah. almost like everything's a social injustice. When it <laughs> 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 It's like a social injustice. I'm remembering something really goofy. Uh, it's just, hey, look, they made this new thing. It doesn't have to impact the, the transgender community. It's yeah. just a thing, right? Like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, and it's bad for me to say that, sure, but I don't care how this impacts anybody. Like, yeah. this is a new thing. Yeah. They're talking about it. This company's building it. And then that's, that's why I just, like, start dropping people. Like, you know yeah. what? I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. Save it for your blog. No, I think it's, I think it's important to, um, to not go overboard. And I tend to, sometimes my husband's like, okay, you need to like dial back the social justice just a little bit. Um, and I, you know, I, I will admit I sometimes do get carried away. It's usually when I've been listening to NPR pretty heavily uh, and scrolling through Facebook, then I'm like, okay, I have to take a step back. Like I have had to stop listening to NPR because it makes me so mad. Just like, it does. oh my God, I just, I have, there was one day, I think last week, somebody was talking and I cussed at my radio and I like violently turned it off. 
Did you listen? Did you listen to to Inskeep talk to the CEO of Twitter? Did you listen to that one? Oh, I did, but that's not what it was. That was oh, it. That's not what made me. That one was actually pretty good. I heard. Good. I heard a little bit of it because I, I think they were talking about Twitter's responsibility to all the, the stuff that's floating out there. Yeah. Um, and basically, they were like, "Look, you know, like." Well, the, the airtime <laughs> silence was just. <laughs> palpable yeah i was like oh it's so good it was a good interview <laughs> those are questions i ask myself too I'm like, right well, do they have a responsibility no it, that is a very good question because i mean it that is a really really good question and I, i'm not i'm not sure i have a good answer for it but i, I oh, feel like neither yeah i mean it's it's a whole it's a whole gray area and it's a whole new i mean social media is only 10 years old nobody still knows what they're doing no it's a wild west yeah even with the podcast adventures and stuff it's 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 a wild it's wild open yeah wild open so there you know you get you gotta you gotta navigate mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta have like this strong i mean not so much idealism but just a strong compass of kind of keep you grounded yeah you can lose yourself in the just stream of i'm sure and, and the same thing goes with the npr because yeah. when i I started listening to NPR when I was living in San Diego. Yeah. And one thing that NPR has is in San Diego is its own dedicated, constant NPR. At least here, WUTC breaks in and kind of gives you a cool down period <laughs> with some, some jazz. <laughs> I love I love WUTC. No, that's wide open, right? Oh, and my like, gosh. Like, oh, my God. Everything's dying. The world's awful. But, yeah. again, I guess it just a little bit of time. You know, you're just like, okay, well how do I choose to respond to these things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I try to stay out of the, the arena of stuff, the political arena of it. And yeah. at one time I was a very outspoken opinionated dude. Again, we don't know what we're doing with all this. Mm-mm. It's going to take some time because it's this new thing. And I wonder like with the advent of the radio, right? Yeah. If they were asking the same questions. Probably on a much smaller scale. Yeah, like, what do we do with this stuff? You know, and, it, and it was technology. I don't know if you've seen the King speech. Oh, yeah. That was a great one. And it was just, like, the importance of communication. Mm-hmm. like And this invention that would change the political dynamic of the world. Yep. With that, a radio. Yep. It was one of those movies that, like, I love movies. Um, and when I saw the previews, I was like, eh. Eh, this doesn't look interesting. And then I watched it and I said, holy shit, that was fantastic. That was good. It was such a good movie. Yeah, I was like, oh, man. And because I, I remember stories from like my grandmother telling me about the radio. Really? Yeah. And how much it was a big deal. Wow. And it was people huddled, huddled around the glow of their, you know, three-story radio. Huh. You know, they only had one channel on it at the time. Yeah. And then now it's like we're so, eh. Radio, whatever. Oh, it's, yeah, you just take it for granted. It's, you take it's, it for granted now. Yeah, you can have it anywhere. Yeah. And then pretty soon when we start having the Wi-Fi in the cars and all these things that will eventually, it's inevitable, yep. right? So it's inevitable that you probably do a podcast while you're driving. Yep. I want to pin that one. <laughs> <laughs> save that for later. We'll save that one for later. I love to blow my eight-year-old's mind because, um, you know, we're horrible parents and we let her have a tablet. Not a phone, though. Oh, you're awful monsters. I know. It's horrible. I should just be put in jail. Um, but no. And she comes to me. Oh, you know who has a cell phone, mom? My BFF such and such. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know who's not going to have a cell phone yet? It's you. Sorry, mm-hmm. kiddo. But no, he, she has a tablet. And um, I told her one time, I'm like, hey, did you know? That there was there were no smartphones when I when I was a kid and she was like did you have phones like phone phones and I'm like yes I had phone phones <laughs> we're watching Supernatural the other day because she's into scary movies now we have weekly horror movie nights oh, um, awesome. oh she loves them and nothing scares her so we're watching Supernatural and they're using a payphone 
And she goes, that phone is so gross. And I'm like, what? why is it gross? Well, it doesn't even have a touch screen. And I'm like, well, I mean, you're actually more right than you realize because payphones were really disgusting. Like when you think about it and all the people that touched them and they always had that smell. And the gum but, stuck to the... Oh, uh, always. And it was just, you always felt like you needed a bath after you used them. But yeah, it just blows her mind. You know, uh, did, did they have TV when, TV when you were a kid? I'm like, yeah, I'm not that old. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not your grandparents' age. Even they had TV. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just so... What'd y'all do? Well, figure things out. You hit each other with sticks. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> that's sticks. what you did with. Oh man, it's so. <laughs> it's so. I mean, are your kids on the slime craze right now? Oh yes, uh, she oh, likes slime and she loves YouTube and she loves Minecraft. Uh, but yeah, I we had to we had to we had to nix the YouTube a little bit. <laughs> Because of the stream, it just went to, it started going into some weird places. Yeah, you you do have to be really careful. Like, she has a list of approved YouTubers that she can watch, like Dan TDM, because he does those Minecraft videos. Mm. Um, but even then, I mean, because it'll just automatically play stuff sometimes afterwards. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I started, and it's like a grown man with a little 12-year-old kid voice and yep. playing something ridiculous. Or Mm-mm. I'm like, this is going to give me nightmares. Yeah. I'm gonna, it's creepy. Um, so we, we put a code on it, and we we ration it, and only when we're present, yep. you know, type of thing, because it's just like, no, this is yeah. nuts. We we gave her an uh, like an unlimited at first, because we didn't really realize. We're mm. like, oh, it's just like TV, whatever. Um, and then she started, we started noticing changes in her behavior. Like, she was getting too hyper, and she was being too loud and rambunctious, and she was getting overly invested, like, emotionally in... Like, she'd follow these littlest pet shop items she wanted on eBay, and when somebody would buy it, she would melt down. Like, tears melting down because she wanted it so bad. And so finally we're like, nope, one hour. One hour a day, Uh, that's it. And, you know, after that, watch Adventure Time. We don't care, you know? Yeah. I grew up on cartoons. That doesn't quality. Oh, she loves Adventure Time. Well, we had finite. So, like, I mean, we come from a house. If you came from a house with three channels only. And your life revolved around a certain time slot. Mm-hmm. And you know that this is your time slot. And then, oh, great, soap operas. Yep. I'm going to leave and go do something else. Yep. Well, that, that's over. Yep. You could binge watch an entire season of whatever you want. Yep. For as long as you want. Yeah. The I immediacy can't. of it. You know, I, it's yeah. weird. I can't even imagine. I, I mean, I really can't. I, I, I enjoyed that fact. And I like being able to binge watch, you know, Handmaid's Tale or whatever. Which I would not recommend doing that because it's a really intense show. It makes you really depressed if you binge it. But, um, you know, I, I can't imagine being an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old and having that amount of unlimited media at my disposal. We didn't. I mean, we had our own. It was already regulated by the time slot window or whatever is going on. Uh-huh. But I could imagine if I was my eight-year-old self could just watch. What the hell was I watching then? You know, I don't even remember. Yeah. But I'm sure... If I had the the option to sit there and watch the entire thing, I would. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. That's why I'm like a very conscious media consumer, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of things I'll just bypass. Like, you know what? Nah. Yeah. Uh, no. And with the stuff that Netflix keeps producing, I, I'm, I'm trying to question the sanity of a lot of people that are just sitting there like, you know what? We're just going to throw spaghetti at it, the internet wall and see what sticks, right? Yeah. And it's almost like they're just test betting every bad idea. So it's like, you know what? I'm really questioning this pay raise or this bill, you know, right now at this point. So, and it yeah. might, it might, it might go away. 
Yeah. I'm like, the Stranger Things goes to another thing. That'd be the only reason why I'm holding on to Netflix right now is for the <laughs> next Stranger Things. Oh, I love Stranger Things. Yeah, that one's that's a good one. That one's stuck. That one was good, but yeah, I'm, I the new lineup of stuff. I'm just like. There's so much of it. You can't keep up with it. Because I remember, I remember when it was House of Cards, and that's it. That's yeah. all there was. And a friend of mine told me about it. And I said, when you mean a Netflix show, that's got to suck. And then I realized, you know, Kevin Spacey was on it, which he doesn't we suck. don't talk about him anymore. But at the time, you know, he, yeah. he was my favorite actor. And right. I was like, well, this is this has actually got to be pretty good. And then, you know, slowly it started to trickle in. You had uh, whatever that horrible one about werewolves was. I can't even, Hemlock Grove, that one was real bad um but now there are so many netflix originals i cannot keep up with them all no. nor do i want to um i think i think and i'll put my recommendations out there and just probably three yeah stranger things mm-hmm. voltron legendary defender <laughs> we tried to get our daughter to watch it and she wasn't into it my daughter likes it it's actually me and my girlfriend like it more than the kids yeah. do but i mean there's a little bit of that nostalgia the writing is just amazing. Nice. For science fiction writing. Yeah. So, um, what was the third one? Oh, is Altered Carbon. Oh, we started watching that one, and we liked it. We just, we never, we never continued. We are busy watching something else, I think. Right. Um, it, it drags out, but once yeah. it goes, it goes. Really? It's really good. It's uh, yeah. fantastic like science fiction. That's like, awesome. If you, if you want the definitive MacGyver of science fiction shows, that's it. Awesome. Like, it's got action. It's got, you know, the street samurais. If you're into, like, the cyberpunk yeah. thing that's where it's at it's really good so that's cool hang with it there's also a book oh yeah it's based off of a book okay which i had found recently which i need to get in because i got you know william gibson books and my you know neuromancer was my book you know yeah um a giant mnemonic and all the short stories yeah and i just i just like cyberpunk genre just i think it's just the whole this is the worst case scenario for technology. Yeah. That I really like. It's it's dystopian, <laughs> but we have flying cars. You know what I mean? I don't like this shiny, gilded thing. Yeah. It's that distrust of technology. Sure. But not so much the distrust of the technology, but the use yep. of it. The people that ruin it. Yeah. Well, you know, use it. And, and that ha- the Ultra Carbon has all that. Yeah. Like, so if you're into dystopia, you're into just this bad use of technology. But the characters are really engaging. Nice. So it's it's got a little bit of everything. I don't know. I like it, and I highly recommend it. So those are about the only three, and then the other ones was like. <laughs> it's all just filler. Like, we were into super into Orange is the New Black for the first couple of seasons, and then it just went off the rails, and we don't. We started watching the season, and we were like, eh, it's It fine. suffers from the same thing, though. Yeah. Like, if you, if you can't get, you got good writing for a couple of seasons, and so then just end the season, in the show. Yep. You know, because even your the classic television shows, which I think Hulu finally opened that doorway up. You got, you know, so I started watching Taxi, you know, like, oh, I'm not watching. I'm watching Taxi. Yeah. It's like from the Nick at Night or the TV Land, you know, yeah. when it was a thing. And I, I'm like, man, I didn't realize how great the writing was of some of these shows. Yeah. And then, But then after a while, they start, you know, they start, mm-hmm. they jump the shark. They jump the shark. Yeah. And I think, I think we kind of, we speed along that. We're hurtling because those shows, we can binge. Like I said, the seasons come out all at once. Yep. So then you can just sit there and just, I don't know, just get overloaded with it. Or yeah. Or saturated. It's like my daughter, we started, you know, season one of Supernatural. And I think it's on like its 14th season now. 
which it should still on the air. Oh yeah, it's still on. It should not be on the air anymore because it's really just you know it just won't die. Uh, But you know for like the it is undead series. It it has just become itself. But when it was first on the first couple years, I was a hardcore fangirl. Like I loved Supernatural, and my daughter was like, "I'm gonna watch this whole series, and then I'm gonna watch it again, and then I'm gonna watch it again." And I was like, "Well, good luck because (laughs) there's like 14 seasons, and it's gonna take you years to get through them all." Like the American Doctor Who or something. Doctor Who's been on for what? A long 50 time. Years? Long time. It'll be on a hundred years. It's going to keep going. Yeah. Oh yeah. It it will. Um. I've never been able to get into Doctor Who. That's one of those things. Like we're we're a relatively nerdy, geeky family, and I've never been able to get into really? Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, and I love Firefly, and I love uh, you know, Game of Thrones and all that kind of stuff. Harry Potter is my jam, but I just can't. And I've tried Doctor Who. I love Sherlock. Like, I love... Sherlock's good. It's great. I'm and very into... I got into it when I was a kid, Tom Baker. You know what I mean? On PBS. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the reruns and stuff like that. And I was just super into it. And I still kind of am. But after David Tennant, I kind of just lost interest. You know? I think that's the general consensus with most, yeah. most Doctor Who fans. I mean, not that... I think it's just you, you have a generational thing too. It's like, you know, I've ended Star Wars after the, the last movie that came out. Yeah. Like I was okay, Mark Hamill is no longer he's probably gonna be a force ghost for the rest of it, but it it closed it out. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know what, I was a Star Wars fan, but I thought that there was something great and I was glad Disney got a hold of it to do some justice to it and I'm like, Okay, well they just killed off everybody I cared about. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. And I think there's an importance to that, too. And then, you know, like Harry Potter, I never got into. Like, I just, I can't relate. And if I can't relate to the characters. Sure. Like, you know, with, with Luke Skywalker, I can relate to him. Why? Because he was a, you know, kid in a podunk place trying to look at, you know, to, to a far off horizon and a possibility that was endless. Sure. So I can relate to those people and mm-hmm. to that one character and they killed him off. I'm like... Well, I can't relate to the <laughs> cranky, spoiled, rotten Sith Lord who has temper tantrums. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know what? That's appealing to a whole nother generation that I don't I don't have any. But it's, it was a lot of things like that. Like, you know, my girlfriend's all about friends. That's, you know, that sitcom or whatever. Yeah. And I took three seconds of that when that was ever airing. And I'm like, I don't understand it. It doesn't age well. Like, no, when it you, doesn't. it does not age well when you go back. Um, and look at it, especially if, you know, you are a, a special snowflake like myself. Uh, you know, s- some of the things I go back and I'm just like, oh, my God, that's so not OK. Like in today's age, like you wouldn't be able to say that on TV today right. or make that kind of joke. Um, and it's like that with some books, too. I went back over the Christmas break and I reread Stephen King's It. Um, I read it for the first time when I was 11 which is not an appropriate thing for an 11-year-old to read, by the way. It. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Like, going back. And it's not the scare factor. It's There's there's very adult things that happen in the book. Um, yeah. But going back, I, some of the things in that book, and I wonder if he looks back and he's just like, oh, because, you know, he seems pretty. I think he made his peace with it. Uh, probably. I mean, you, there's literally nothing he can do. You can't go back and undo it. Um you just kind of have to be like, sorry. Unapologetic. Yeah. Because and it's almost, cause I remember, I remember some of the very, I remember those things. I remember actually that it was the biggest book I had read at that time. I was 11 years old. And yeah. I remember it page per page. Yeah. To this day. And that yeah. was one thing about if I ever read anything, I would absorb it in its entirety one time. Yeah. And have it committed. Yeah. And so that, the Dark Tower series. Oh, I yeah. I read those like, you know, and still they were 
think he was on his wizarding glass at that time. Yeah. Was out. You yeah. Know? Um, and then I've read them all since, but I never yep. had to reread them. But I remember like, God, dang, yeah, that's a, heavy. That's the the between Wizard and Glass and Wolves of the Kala was I think that was the biggest time period between it was something like almost 20 years, I think, between those two books. Well, before like, I mean, the Gunslinger. Was well, yeah, before we were even born, I think. Yeah, it was. And it was written as like uh, like a short for a magazine, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I picked up I started reading the Dark Tower and I just devoured them. Um, and it's just it's incredible. I absolutely love it. I hated the movie. The movie was. I was about to ask you. And Idris Elba was amazing. He, he was, was a great. really great Roland, but the movie was an abomination. Like there was nothing good about that movie I except figured, for him. I figured. I mean, there were hints that because I mean it's a Stephen King movie. First off, yeah, <laughs> it didn't have a great track record from uh-uh. the jump. I mean, yeah, what Maximum Overdrive and you know. So mm. yes, The Dark Tower is one of my favorites. Yes, and I, I I would say Dark Tower is better than. Lord of the Rings for me. Oh, I would agree. Absolutely. You know, that's just my jam because you got the horror fantasy mixed in there. It's just my jam. But it, it'll just help. It was great. He was really good. And I was like, you know what? This is just, and they, they made hints about it too. This is just another turn of the wheel. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so as soon as they dropped that line, I think Matthew McConaughey said, this is another turn of mm-hmm. the wheel. I'm like, okay. I'm going to accept this as its own standalone thing. Uh-huh. And that's what everybody needs to do. And then yeah. once you get that out of the way, it's fine. It's, yeah. I mean. It's fine. That's, yeah. That's, that's the, uh, the, I mean, that really is the, the, what I got from it. It was fine. The acting was good. You know, the special effects were fun. But I'm like, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't the Dark Tower. It's, uh, you know, I really, I really think that it needs its own series like Game of Thrones. Like, it it's does. so epic. You're never going to be able to do it justice in a two-hour movie. And, and it hits on things that I... I mean, I'm not I'm not a Game of Thrones person. I'm just not. I, yeah. I'm like, okay, first off, ugh, too, much, too many words, too many talking, too many characters. Oh, they get, I don't care. Like, they were killing off all these people I didn't care about anyway. Uh-huh. I didn't care about them. I'm like, they're all... There's nothing there for me. Yeah. I get nothing out of it. Sure. It's almost like stay away for cookies. The deal is, is I've been heavily inundated with reading dark fantasy novels of all various shapes, kinds, and sh- sizes. I'm uh-huh. just aping all these other things. Yeah. So if we're going to go as far back as, you know, Robert E. Howard's strange, weird tales type stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, I mean, woo. You know, <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't impressed. I'm sorry if, you know, okay, yeah, I can go without it. Oh, she has dragons. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but that's why I like, you know, Dark Tower, you had a gunslinger, you there are knights, and then there's drug addiction, there's somebody with split personality. Yep. There's the end of the world, everything's linked together. There's yep. so, all this metaphysical stuff going on. Cool. Yep. You know, that's that's more my, my bag. But. One of the things I love most is that it's you know, that's his that's his opus and everything not everything, but there's so many of his other works that connect to the, the Dark Tower. Here. The tie-ins are great. And if you haven't seen Castle Rock on Hulu yet... It, I didn't watch the new one yet. I really liked the new one. The I new mean, one it looks fantastic. The new one is really, really good. I mean, they, they had to change a little bit from the book, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they got they really got kind of a, the feel. Mm. And obviously, they changed it to the 80s, not the, not the you know late 50s. But that makes it, I think, more relatable for, you know, people our age and this generation you know it really does um 
but it was really really enjoyable like that's our default horror movie when we can't think of anything to watch we're like hey let's just watch it again okay (laughs) oh man i remember when i think abc premiered that as like a mini series i was not allowed to watch it i was no my mom my my parents were very much like it's gonna scare you the first rated r movie i was allowed to watch was terminator 2 and my mom made me close my eyes during all the bloody parts Uh, yeah i think i think that that actually makes you more scared that's a scary movie. It's a scary Terminator idea. Two? Yeah, the, the whole the whole concept is scary. You know what? You, you want to my talk with the birds and the bees? I'll give you this little silly story. Uh huh. I was watching Puppet Master. Uh huh. So there was a sex scene, and I think I was six, seven years old. Oh dear. With my grandpa. Uh huh. And I asked him, "What are they doing?" And he was like, "Oh, okay." So then I got the birds and the bees talk while the sex scene was going on in Puppet Master. And that's that was it. That was the talk. Oh, well. So, you know, several therapy sessions later, I'm fine. <laughs> that's a hell of an introduction. It, it was. Like, I think I was deathly afraid of girls and puppets. You know? <laughs> and oh, girl puppets. Oh, you're die. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, no, I, I was not allowed to watch It, and I was not allowed to watch The Stand um, until I was a little bit older. The Stand's really good. It, it is for nostalgic purposes, um, but like Molly Ringwald, I just wish she was not a part of it at all. She's so bad. You just should not be here. You should just not. <laughs> just don't, Molly Ringwald. Um, but no, I, you know, I, I enjoy it, and I like it for, for nostalgic purposes, because when I finally watched it, I loved it. I adored it. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was really good, and I, I read more into it. Um, I actually read the book because mm-hmm. of it, you know, and I was like, oh, this is great. It was just a good story of battle, you know, battle of good versus evil, which, and it's character driven too. And mm-hmm. that's Stephen King's thing. You know, he yeah. gets these people that you care about. And even like the, the short novellas, like the green mile. Right? Oh yeah. And then I finally saw, you know, the green mile. And I'm like, Oh God, no. that's a good adaptation. I it mean, it, so that one in Shawshank, I think are probably the best Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. Um, they, they were really good. And misery. Misery is also very good. <sighs> misery was very, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's from a guy's perspective, but I'm like, <laughs> it was good. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Kathy Bates and yeah. James Caan. I'm just like, oh, God, no. That was my first King novel was Misery when was I was it? 10. I read it. Oh, I snatched man. it from my brother's bookshelf, and I read it, and I'd, I've been hooked ever since. <sighs> yeah. I need, to, I need to get back into it. I think the last one I read was Hearts in Atlantis. That's a good one. And then after, before that was Bag of Bones. Oh, that was a great book. That book, that book had me just. Yeah. Oh, God. You haven't read Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three? Not yet. No. That's probably, in my opinion, probably the best thing he's written in the last twenty five years. Really? Oh, it's so good. It's, I gotta, I gotta get back onto it. I started getting into like you know the Witcher series books and things like that, uh-huh. which they're really good. Yeah. I like them. And then the Painted Man. I don't know what that is. Peter V. Brent, the Warded Man. Hmm. The Demon Cycle series. I haven't I haven't uh, heard of that. Check them out, especially if I think that's why I couldn't watch Game of Thrones because <laughs> I just I, I just started eating up all these like dark fantasy novels. Yeah. That are just like you, nobody you know they're obscure or whatever, and you read them and like oh yeah well I mean I've already been there done that with oh, I don't care like, yeah and for me if you put a lot of if you try to make that Tolkien leap, so a Tolkien leap is where like. There's just so much stuff. Yeah. It's just cram-packed with weird names and maps and things like that. My brain turns off. That's probably why you didn't like Harry Potter so much or didn't try it. Because, I mean, there's there's I a lot relate. of... I couldn't relate to it. Like, yeah. They're, they're, like, 
kids were reading it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. Great. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Here's the thing. Anything that revolves around an academy or a school or things uh-huh. like that, I instantly have an aversion to. That's... Instantly. Like, hmm. And it's sort of like with anime, too. Like, yeah. oh, high school or whatever. And I'm like, not turn it. Like, I don't yeah. care. To me, the, the adolescent years were so unimportant. And I did not want to be an adolescent even when I was an adolescent. It's there fair. was no magic. There was yeah. no... There was fights. There were just bad things sure. and all I want to do is work and get out of it. So when it's a person that, you know, he found, he got out from under the stairs yeah. and found friends and a family yeah. at this academy, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I didn't have that experience. High school was like this thing you survived and you escaped from. Sure. So it was more like escape from New York type of thing. <laughs> so people didn't eat you alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you were liking not to get stuffed in a dumpster. Yeah. Or walk out with a bad habit of some kind. There's no connection to it. I'm sorry. That's fair. I know. It's totally fair. I was a grown-up. I was an adult. I mean, young adult when I first started reading them. I didn't pay attention to them when they first came out. Right. Um, and it was after when The Goblet of Fire, when the fourth book came out, is when I started paying attention. And um, when I just, uh, again, I, I went to all the midnight book premieres and i was that person wow and i was also young and didn't have kids yet i, I can't even appreciate the f- the like i actually like her uh the author i like i like her yeah i follow her on twitter yeah and her stories is great yes it is um and so i care more about that than that's, the actual creation but i do fine. appreciate the f- fan base oh it's a f- yeah it's yeah it's, I mean, if you, I mean, Jennifer Edge even did her um, literary, did you go to that? Yeah, no, I didn't, but I wanted to. Oh, man, she, and she does the Harry Potter tattoos yeah. and everything else like that. But that, I heard it was great. Um, I'm planning on, I'm actually planning on going to her for my, my not maybe not my first tattoo, but like, I want a, a big uh, Dark Tower sleeve, actually. She does, she does good Dark Tower yeah. themed tattoos. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen them around town. I have. I, and one of the biggest things, she had, a, so she had a tattoo contest on Instagram not too long ago where she was like, you know, pitch me your tattoo idea and I'm going to pick one. I'm going to pick my favorite and that person's going to get that tattoo free of charge. Ooh. And so I told her, I was like, I want, you know, this epic Dark Tower tattoo with tie-ins and all this stuff. And she said, you know, I'd love Stephen King, right? And I said, oh, I didn't know that, but hey, but she didn't pick me. She picked somebody with a Golden Girls tattoo, I think, oh, which well. is also fun um but girls are good yeah all good time into the dark tower (laughs) (laughs) somehow somehow there's some fiction fanfic out there that i am sure it exists (laughs) um but no i'm definitely planning on uh hitting her up jennifer edge is great definitely go down there and get their tattoos Uh, i'm not getting paid to say that no (laughs) they don't endorse me up this is just normal talk but yeah Uh, her, her stephen king Dark Tower. I've seen a couple of them around town, yeah. man, and they are great. Well, the, their whole the the literary ink thing and just the the geeky tattoos that they seem to specialize in is one of the reasons why I was like, well, that's where I'm going to go. You know, when I get my when I get my nerd tattoos, yeah. is I'm going to go there because they get it. They are a nerd tattoo haven. Yeah, um, especially the Harry Potter stuff. Mm-hmm. And God, that literary. And I missed it. Like I said, I appreciate the fan, but it's just it just yeah. doesn't resonate with me, man. It really just that hero that leaves mm-hmm. that or gets exiled sure or goes away and that was that's my life yeah and i relate to that a lot because I, I as long as i can remember growing up in the podunk tiny little town that i did i wanted to leave it yeah i wanted to go places i wanted to go see what else was out there hmm. than just the county you know yeah 
it, there's that in Harry Potter too, but yeah. he goes to a school. <laughs> he didn't go on a pirate ship or so I'm yeah. very, I'm very, I guess lowbrow fantasies where, where my heart resides. Cause I'm a Conan, the barbarian fan. Oh, my husband loves Conan uh, yeah, he's and, and Rambo and the road warrior. I've tried to watch those. I loved the, 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 the newest Mad Max. That was Fury Road was awesome, but all the oh, other ones, brilliant. man, I have tried so many times to watch those movies. Really? Oh. I can't. I just can't. I, I don't. It's too cheap. Like, it's one of those, if, if you don't see it when you're younger, it just it doesn't. It's a low-budget, independent mil- movie, oh, you know? man. They well, cultivated a, just a cult following. Yeah. Well, it's like, I have those movies that I'm obsessed with that were my favorites when I was a child. Like, I love The NeverEnding Story, and I love yeah. Labyrinth, and my husband hadn't seen either of those until he was an adult, and when we watch him, he's like, what is this? This is ridiculous. I do not like this at all, especially NeverEnding Story. Uh, I became a David Bowie fan because of Labyrinth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm like... I like David Bowie, and not because he has an armadillo in his tights. (laughs) My daughter got really into Labyrinth when she was about three, and I was like, okay, I love this movie, but if you watch it one more time, I'm going to have to throw you out the window. Like, don't, (laughs) I can't, I can't do it anymore. You ruined it for me. Yeah, there's a time and a place. Oh, my God. She got, she was really, she, when she would get into things, she's been into movies since she was 18 months old we took her to her first movie in the theater when she was 18 months and she sat the whole time it was Puss in Boots and she sat through the whole thing she sat through the first Avengers movie where she she was two and a half really yeah she sat through the first I can't sit through the Avengers movie so I watched what was it the Infinity War oh god Infinity War was intense yeah I think I was watching several different movies in one movie. It it was a lot. It was it was jam packed. I'm like, because uh, I think of the second Avengers. I'm just like, oh, the second one was a lot, way too much. It was too much. Too I'm much. Like, and the same thing. I'm like, yeah. I'm watching several different movies. I'm yeah. like, I'm watching Lord of the Rings. I'm watching, uh, you know what I mean? I'm like, they're yeah. in New Zealand now. I don't even know what the hell is going on. Right. I think everybody's getting a little burned out on them. Like, I I actually really enjoyed Infinity War. Um, and I knew what was going to happen in the end. And I won't say anything in case people haven't seen it um but i was still like ah i wasn't i was not prepared for that it was it was still upsetting to me um but no i think i think everybody is starting to get a little burned out on the comic book movies i I like the netflix punisher and oh absolutely i think luke cage is my favorite yeah and and i didn't watch the defenders i don't really care about the iron fist all that much i think most people don't care about iron fist i think he's just kind of there for most people rich white honky fighting crime yeah yeah you got Batman. That's uh-huh. all you need. Yeah, exactly. I don't care about all that. I, I thought like, Daredevil was great. Daredevil was really good. Yeah. I, I like how they shot it. The cinematography of it was just what I liked. And yep. I like the Punisher, too. Mm-hmm. Like Just because of the guy that portrayed Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. Did a, such an amazing job. He and really like, did. The madness of just being, just dealing with all that and being a combat vet was just. Yeah. put a little bit more human aspect to him. Cause, oh, huh? You know, Punisher was just a bad man. Yeah, uh, no, it, th- that's what I liked the most about Punisher is um, it got into some really interesting, you know, philosophical type. It put him, it put you in his shoes and, and really touched on a lot of different things on PTSD and how veterans are treated and all this different kind of stuff. And it's just, it was really interesting and it was really compelling, I thought. Yeah. Very, very deep storytelling. Yeah, I think, I think they did it some justice and I absolutely love Luke Cage. I yeah. Just, and I was like, I'll try it. And no, I really like it. Yeah. I think, I think Luke Cage and Jessica Jones is really good too. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of got 
that first season of it was just like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Purple this, Man's a bad, bad man. Yeah, he did a good David Tennant did a he good job. He really did, but I was like, oh, this this is an awful. Like, he's awful. I know people like that. Yeah. It's like you got all this great talent. Sort of like Jessica Jones. You got the superpowers and you got all these things, but you just can't get out of your own head. Yeah. Enough to just be 100%. You right. Know? And it's like, that's that's what drove me. Or even like uh, the Daredevil. Where he's he's got all this he's got this idealism, you know, and this wants to do so much good, but he just keeps causing more problems. Yeah, you know, it's like he's not weighing, he's blind. You yeah. know, it's like blind, like emotionally blind. You know, not he could see he's got this heightened awareness and things like that, and he can see yeah. your emotions more or less by reading your physiological aspects. Yep, but he doesn't see past his actions. There's mm-hmm. no foresight. Yeah, you know. And he's flawed. And that's what I appreciated about it. You know, it's like. Yeah. I think that's why Marvel characters uh, resonate with a lot of people, because I think they're more complex. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're more human. I mean, even when they're semi-human or, you know, mutants or whatever. But it's like, I, I really think they're more complex and they're more interesting. And there's a lot more depth to them um, than DC characters. That's just the way I feel personally. Yeah. I'm team Marvel. Your team Marvel. Yeah. I, I ride the fence every now and again. So yeah. there's there's some DC things that I really like. Um mostly in the Batman camp of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Marvel's Spider Man was my first comic book superhero. Was it? Yeah. I just love it. Like Spider Man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was never into comic books, and I I will say I'm not I am not into comic books. My husband grew up on them. He's he's the comic book guy. Um, so you know when I married him, I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And so he gave me the Civil War arc to read, and it was mm-hmm. my first exposure. And I was like, this is amazing. Ooh. It was so good. And then he gave me an X Men series, which was written by Joss Whedon, and I don't remember. It might have been Astonishing X Men, yeah. and I loved it because I loved Firefly and I loved Joss Whedon. So that was a good, those were good arcs so to, I turn, I turn, to I turn give to me. I turned my girlfriend onto Firefly yeah. and series first before Serenity. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, whatever you do, don't watch Serenity without me. Don't. And I went on a, I went on a weekend drill. Oh, no. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to watch this now. <gasps> I'm like, oh, no. Don't do it. A couple, an hour later, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're like, you I warned you. I, I see, hate you. Uh, I did it backwards. Um when Serenity came out, I went with a bunch of friends to go see it, and they had already seen Firefly, and I hadn't. Right. And I was like, oh, it's a movie. I'm going to go. And so when, you know, that happens at the end, I, I was just like, okay. Because I hadn't seen the whole series, and I wasn't invested. But yeah. now, of course, when I watch it, I'm just like, oh, it's so sad. It makes me so ha- so sad. My favorite episode is Jamestown. Oh, that's a great one. That's my favorite one. I like that one in Out of Gas, um, where you get everybody's backstory. Yeah. That one is really, good. really good. Um, but yeah, Jamestown is great. They're all really good. <sighs> it's a shame. That that could have... All right, so I'm not a Supernatural fan by any means. Uh-huh. And I was in Afghanistan when somebody gave me the first season run on on DVD, and I'm like, okay, and I, I couldn't get past the first 30 seconds. Really? I, I really couldn't. <laughs> I really, and same thing with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. I couldn't get past the first 30 seconds. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm a fan of camp. Yeah. I'm a fan of campy movies. I liked Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah. I, on Stars. Yeah. I loved it. And I just can't do those things. Sure. Like, I'm just like, I just don't get it. Like, Totally just don't have it. Maybe yeah. I should have just been younger, exposed to it or something, or I don't know what it is. It just yeah. didn't, didn't, 
didn't do it. But when I watched Ash versus Evil Dead on the Stars thing, yeah, like, went to Netflix or whatever. I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> I yeah. gotta watch all these. We started watching those too, um, and really enjoyed it. I we didn't. That's another one where it's like we put it on, we're like, oh, this was really great, we really liked it, and then we never watched it again. There are just so many shows that are like that for us. Like we watch yeah. a couple episodes and then we come back to it eventually. Stars has had some really good content. They had um. They did American Gods. Did you watch American oh, Gods? Yeah. It was uh-huh. so good. Uh-huh. And I I, yeah. I I read somewhere that the second season is kind of up in the air. Like, they don't know if they're going to continue it, which makes me so mad because it was so good. Well, uh, Neil is working on, um, I think he just finished the, um, God, their Apocalypse one. The one he did with. Um, oh, um, Good Omens? Good Omens. Yeah, they're doing that, that into a series, too. Yeah, yeah it, it's going to be a standalone, I think. Yeah. Uh, standalone one season or whatever, cool. but he's been editing on it. You know, follow him too. Yeah, uh, that's coming soon. So yeah, hopefully they get both of them running parallel. American Gods needs needs to happen. Oh, absolutely! It, it was the casting was spot on. It was perfect. It. Yeah, it it was really good. And it's funny because I read American Gods. Oh God, like thirteen years ago, probably twelve or thirteen years ago, and I had I must have just breezed right through it and just not retained anything because when we were watching the this show I was like and I know they that they added some stuff that wasn't in the book but I I didn't remember half of what happened really really and I don't know why because I really liked American Gods when I read it um but I just I think I just tore through it so fast that I didn't retain it's anything a, it's a fast read yeah um but I'll, I'll remember it I remember it was one of, it was the first one I read that then I read Anasazi Boys Oh, I want to see that one or not see that one read that one that's really is good. it good yeah and then uh Neverwhere Mm-hmm. So I read them. I read them like right after another, and I'm like, oh, I really like this guy. That's awesome. And yeah, then Coraline, and then I got a one of his kids' book called Fortunately the Milk. I haven't heard about that one. I got I picked that one up two weeks ago. Cool. I'm it to the to the girls. Yeah. Tonight, and it's just he's just an amazing storyteller. My daughter went through a, a Coraline phase when she was about about three, where she just watched the movie nonstop, loved it, and then she never watched it again. Yeah. And I, I mean, was like, oh. That's one of those things. Coraline was really good. My daughter loves it still. Mm-hmm. I think when she watches it, she gets real scared about things sometimes. No, she. So, yeah, she's a very, she's a, I call her, she's an empathetic, empathetic social warrior. <laughs> and people are going to hate me at home, but she hates bad jokes. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm her dad, so I'll take, say cheesy dad jokes. It's uh-huh. not right. That's the whole point. Right. And so she'll get upset. I'm like, why do you get upset? She goes, I don't know. I go, you know why you get upset? You get upset because of my bad jokes because you're a liberal. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll say them. She'll like, stop. I'll go, why do you hate that joke? She goes, because I'm a liberal. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I hope you say that out loud. That's great. Um, Not not hating on any liberals. (laughs) She is a social justice warrior. She's very outspoken and opinionated. Yeah. um, (laughs) But she's so empathetic. Yeah. Like, it's tough. Yeah. Because I'm not. Yeah. Like, I don't have any empathy for anything. Big feelings, that one. She, yeah. for everything. Like, yeah. even if it's something that deserved to get its head smashed in, or why is it got to die? Yeah. Uh, well, how old is she? She's five. Five, okay. Yeah. My daughter was a little weepy at that age. She was, that's why I thought she'd be terrified with horror movies. I'm like, because we were watching It. The, the new It, and she comes creeping in the room, and she said, what are you watching? And I said, I told her. Scary clown movie. And she said, I want to watch it. This was recently, like, within the last six months, and I'm like, Nellie, it's really scary. Like, yeah. it's really scary, because in the beginning scene, 
Georgie gets his arm ripped off, you know, and his bleeds to death in the gutter. And um, she's like, no, I want to watch it. And I said, okay. <laughs> and she sat next to us. She watched the whole thing and loved it. And ever since then, she has seen Insidious, The Conjuring, The Shining. She has watched... Um, Oh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, which she laughed at the entire time. She's like, this is so cheesy. And I said, girlfriend, you have no idea how many people this monster has traumatized. <laughs> like, <laughs> Freddy Krueger. He traumatized a generation. Yeah. You're laughing at it. Yeah, he's not funny. He's terrifying. <laughs> but no, nothing nothing phases her. But it kind of runs in her family, or in our family, because, you know, I love horror movies. My husband loves horror movies. My brother-in-law basically lives horror movies. He, um... Have you heard of, um, oh my God, I'm blanking, uh, Dread Hollow, the Ruby Falls Haunted Cavern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and his business partner are the guys that do the whole thing every year. No kidding. And Oh yeah, and he has he has been doing haunted houses since he was a teenager. Like, he used to do charity haunted houses at the um, one of the volunteer fire stations when he was a teenager. And he built a Freddy Krueger glove when he was, you know, younger. Wow. And so it is, I mean, his house is decorated like... Like a horror movie, like a horror movie. yeah. <laughs> and so it run. She comes by it honestly because she's just got it in her blood, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Well, right on. Yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta have something to keep the genealogy. Maybe she'll be in the haunted houses and stuff like that. Who knows? She likes to write, so maybe she'll write horror. Yeah. She's writing her own Warrior Cats fan fiction right now. <laughs> yeah, which I think is just so funny. She, I found it in her backpack this morning while I was cleaning it out, and I said, "What's this, babe?" And she, she just real gently took it from me, and she said, I don't, I don't really like for people to read my <laughs> stories until they're finished. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, well, no, I yeah. get it. I completely understand. Just put it in a safe place then. <laughs> so what was writing something you cultivated with your kids? or No, I mean, not really. You know, I've, I've always read to them. Um, and once, once my oldest started school and she started learning how to write and, you know, put sentences together and all that stuff, she just, she just kind of fell into it. Um, I, it's not something I have pushed on her or, you know, and she knows that I write, but she's, she doesn't ever ask me questions about it. Um, but no, it's just something that she has kind of fallen into on her own, which she, I think is super cool. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. Does she, does she like watched you write while you're doing work or? Um, not really. And it's not like I don't write by hand. I do all my work on the computer. Huh. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And she's, she's good. I Naturally mean, attuned. To yeah, it, she really is. She's, uh, you know, a third grader. So, but she's, she's really, she's very good. She has right. an act for it. I think. Keep, keep that going. I guess just don't be too, I don't know. Don't let her have her space. Let that one kind of. Yeah. Mature on its own yeah. so you don't get too excited. So no, I, yeah, no. Kind of rebel against you. Yep. Oh, my uh, parents like this. This must be. Uh huh. Well, that's know. what, that's what happened to me growing up because my family, um, everybody in my family is musical. All my cousins play instruments. My, my brother plays an instrument. We all sing and all this stuff. And, uh, when I hit the age of joining band in fourth grade, I picked up the clarinet and I played it for three years. And I was like, I'm never doing this again because everybody compared me to my older brother. He played the trumpet. He was first chair. He was incredibly talented. And so there was, Oh, Oh, you could be like, him. yeah, you're going to do the same thing. And so I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to be in chorus and I'm going to be in drama. So there and now of course i'm like why didn't i learn how to play an instrument <laughs> i'm real salty about that well you know we've been talking for almost an hour really awesome <laughs> but real quick clever girl the logo yeah it's a velociraptor yes a, vel a velociraptor <laughs> <laughs> 
why why the Velocipator? Well, that was um, so when I when I decided to do the freelance thing, and it was actually it was actually my husband that kind of pushed me into it because I just I wasn't happy at work and I was frustrated and all this stuff. And he said this is right around tax time, and he was like, "Listen, buy a desk, buy a chair, start taking freelance clients." And he was like, "Within one year, quit your job." And it was one of those things where it was that easy and also that difficult because I tried to think of the big picture. And I was like, I can't do that. That's not a thing that people do. Like, that's not, that's not a thing I can do. And he was just always, yes, you know you can do this. You're going to do this. It's just going to happen. And um, so, I, you know, I sat down and I started thinking about my business. And I, I tried to come up with something clever using my name and my initials and this, that, and the other thing. And then I started thinking, okay, what kind of client do I want to attract? Um, you know, I'm geeky. I like to be funny and I like sarcasm. And so maybe I should do something that's reflective of kind of like geek culture. Jurassic Park has been my favorite movie since I was nine years old. I saw it three times in the theater and I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was a kid. Um, so I started, you know, kind of coming up with ideas and, and then just it just popped into my head like, the scene in Jurassic Park where the game hunter is hunting the raptor and he gets surprised she comes in you know from his side and he looks at the raptor and he says clever girl and I was like oh and then I came up with the digital part and then I said well this is all contingent upon the, the me being able to find somebody who can design me a good logo because just the name itself isn't enough I had to tie it to the raptor and so I you know I hired somebody from Etsy and she came up with my logo and the branding and um it just all kind of ties together and it's I, I have found you either get it or you don't I've I've been met with a lot of blank stares at network, networking events and stuff I'm like here's my logo it's a dinosaur please email me or call me or whatever um but yeah so it, it you know it ties into my favorite movie um and you know it's it's kind of a double meaning you know clever girl that's the way I want to be seen is, you know, the, the things that I write and the ideas I come up with. Um, but mostly it's just because I like velociraptors. Velocir- yeah. Who, who doesn't like velociraptors? I would imagine somebody who would be bitten by a velociraptor. <laughs> that The guy from Jurassic Park who got British killed by one. Yes. <laughs> they don't like velociraptors? No, they don't. Uh, so female entrepreneurs need to be like, yeah, I'm a female entrepreneur doing this thing. It needs to be vocalized. Yeah. A lot more. Um just to change the rhetoric, to change yeah. the outlook and the mentality of it. Because you know, for the longest time, we're like, well, we'll just do business and go after it. Yeah. But there's so much more cultural, like, brainwashing out there. There is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a very, very much a feminist. I mean, outspoken. Sure. I take that label full on. Um, and, you know, it, it, was, it was having a daughter, really, mm-hmm. that made me that way. That's what started... I'd just say she sparked my feminist awakening because before, you know, I would be one of those women who would comment on what other women was were wearing. Like, oh, well, she shouldn't be wearing that or she shouldn't be doing that and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, here comes my daughter and I was like, oh, that's bad. Like, you can't you can't do that. Like, you shouldn't you mm. shouldn't be doing that, especially especially as a woman. You know, women get enough crap as it is just by existing. We don't need to be piling more of that on each other. Sure, so, yeah. yeah, I'm very much into lifting other women up and supporting you know all women i'm i'm very much into intersectional feminism so i've been to the women's marches and i go to all those bleeding heart snowflake events here in here in town when just i can because, just because i made a rain joke about my daughter being a liberal <laughs> like i said i don't i don't subscribe to anything yeah. other than my white honkiness so <laughs> i'll say that 
forever because I love that word. <laughs> Any, anybody can call it whatever they want to. Yeah. I think it's just good sense, right? Yeah. It's just good sense and just treating people with respect. Yep. Regardless of, yep. you know, their biology. You know? Well, and, and recognizing, I really think it's important to recognize the um, the inherent and systemic inequality that exists, you know, for for people of color, for women, for, you know, uh, gays and lesbians and trans people. It's just, there is, it's, there's, there is an inequity and an inequality that I think it's very important to recognize. How is business? So is it good? You're taking off... Yeah, no, it's 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 really good actually. Um, most of my stuff is project based. I've got a couple of regular clients. Most of my business has been through word of mouth. You know, I've gone to a couple networking events, and it really hasn't yielded much. But mostly personal connections is is how I'm getting the bulk of my business. You know, it just it comes up in conversation that I have my own business and that I'm a writer, and somebody says, "Oh, well, I need I have some blogs that you could write for me," and so that turns into a thing. Um, or, you know, like my best friend's father has brought me kind of on board with his team and I've been doing a lot of editing work for them uh, for insurance underwriting type stuff, which is a whole different learning lots of new things there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's 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 going well. You know, I'm not so I'm not so overwhelmed um, that I can't take on new projects uh, and I still have plenty of time to be involved with my kids lives and and run errands when I need to and and all that good stuff. So for the other stay-at-home parents that have a knack for writing, that have a passion for it, yeah. that want to break into what you're doing. Yeah. Because um, also, I'm also on the beat as well, doing things like that. Yeah. There's so many things to write for. Yep. Worldwide. Yeah. It, it'll make your head spin. You almost need an assistant to keep them managed after the first three weeks. Yeah. So what would be your advice for anybody looking to break into doing what you're doing? Hmm. Um, not to generate competition, but no, of course not. No, there's room for everybody. Honestly, that's one of the things that I was always afraid of is, Oh, I'm never going to be able to find gigs because there's the market is already so saturated. Um, but you know, that hasn't been the case for me so far. Um, I just, I really think that being true to yourself and trusting your own voice is important. Um, and taking, taking risks. And if, if, Something seems scary, you should probably just do it. So one of my one of my regular clients came from a cold email that I sent. I read an article about her on a local news website, and I said, I would like to be a part of what she's doing. So I just sent her an email. I said, hey, I read this article. This is what I'm doing. I'm trying to become a full-time you know, freelancer. Uh, please let me know if I can help you with anything. And that turned into a small project, which turned into another one. And she's just been pitching me work ever since. Um, and, you know, she's she's become a friend of mine. And I almost didn't send that email. I was almost like, who do you think you are to send an email like this to a stranger? Like, you, you shouldn't do this. That's, there's always that little imposter syndrome voice in the back of your head and all creative people's head. You know, everybody, almost everybody has it, I'm sure. But it's like, just trust, trust your own voice um, and start small. That's my biggest piece of advice because I've, I've been asked by a couple of different people, you know, how did you do this? What, how, how can I get started doing something like this, my own business, breaking out on my own? Um, and the biggest thing is just take it one step at a time because if you try and look at the big picture like I did initially, you're going to freak out and you're just going to give up. So like what I did, I said, okay, I'm, first step, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a desk today. I bought a desk. Next day, okay, I'm going to send out two cold emails. And so I did. And just literally you have to take it a tiny little step at a time. Um, 
And as far as breaking into the writing space, you know, just build a really strong portfolio. Um, and in my experience, it doesn't even have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be printed magazine articles. It can be blogs. It can be opinion columns. It can be, you know, really anything like that. I have used my personal blog as writing samples, and that's been enough for some people. You know, is it going to be enough for Google? If you're going trying to get some kind of job at Google, maybe not. But you just, the more you work and the more you can add to that portfolio, people are going to start talking about you. Um, and obviously build up a social media presence. And a website. Those and, are, and you can help with that. Yes, I can. <laughs> Absolutely can. So what's the website? It's a www, obviously, uh, dot clevergirldigital.com. Clevergirldigital.com. Yes. I think they started foregoing the www's now. Probably. It's kind of, everybody knows I do, it. I do it out of habit. Yeah. But I think we kind of forego that. It's yeah. Just, I mean, now you just Google it, right? Oh, yeah. You don't have to run things through the address? Mm-mm. No, but it, it's uh, clevergirldigital.com. With the Velociraptor. That's me. It's the it's the purple Velociraptor. Purple Velociraptor. Yeah. <laughs> I like your shirt, by the <laughs> Thank way. Thank you. I, I actually, one of my um, one of my internet friends bought this for me. It's my, my Clever Girl Jurassic Park shirt. She saw it at Target, and she was like, hey, I'm going to buy this for you. That That is great. Yeah. Is he going to have, you're going to start having swag for... Oh, I've already got, I've got so much. So one of, um, one of my Mother's Day presents that my sweet daughter bought me, she, she, she told my husband like, Hey, let's get mom some stuff for her business. So they got me a decal for my car that says clever girl. And it's got a velociraptor silhouette. And then they got me a shirt that also says clever girl. And then I have uh, a little keychain that also says <laughs> clever girl. Uh, all else feel is you got the swag. Exactly. Um, that was awesome. No, the only swag I have right now is business cards. And uh, one of my friends got me a bag for for uh, my going away present at work. Like a little tote bag. Right. Good luck. Yeah, with my logo on it. Um, but other than that. It's a great logo. It, it jumped out. When you look at it in a cork board and it gets so inundated with everything. Yeah. It's like, I like that. And Velociraptor. I mean, a purple Velociraptor. I mean, what is not to love about that? Big purple dinosaur. <laughs> that will kill you. <laughs> that will kill you dead. It will, because they are very deadly. All right, Natalie. I really do appreciate you. Yes. I want to put a shout out to the meeting place. Yeah. Over here at Red Bank. They, I guess we ran them off. I thought they were doing something. but No, we're the only ones in here now, I think. Highly recommend. I'm going to get a coffee on my way out, right. <laughs> so at least I'm buying something. <laughs> I'm so bad about that. <laughs> Natalie, this has been great. Yes, thank uh, you so much. And that was Natalie Green with Clever Girl Digital, her very own digital marketing company. And if you're not afraid to get a little weird with your marketing, Clever Girl is for you. This has been the Jackalope Podcast. Rate and review us wherever you find us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, Facebook, Squarespace. All right. Give us a shout out if you like the show or if you have any story ideas. If you have any heroes out there that need to have a spot, hit us up at thejackalopepodcast at gmail.com. That's thejackalopepodcast at gmail.com. All right, folks. This has been The Moose, and I'll catch you around town. <laughs>